and gentlemen, let me be the first to welcome you to HW Radio's Flyers Therapy, brought to you by Jack underscore HW Radio. Yes, this will be something that I need when I need to get things off my chest and discuss the comings and goings of your Philadelphia Flyers. And what better time to start such a podcast and after our regular show recording may have, may have, I say may have, possibly been deleted right after July 1, which is usually a time, at least in the past, that Flyers fans could really talk about. And over the past couple of years, we really have not been able to say a whole lot um, that being said, I don't want to be too much of a Debbie Downer. We came in this year with a whole room 2.0 style of GM. And yeah, before July 1 even came around, he was he was ready to make some moves. And uh, before I really get into it, let, let's, let's lay this out. Um, really what I want to discuss here today, and really what grinds my gears when you think about it, is everything that... Our boy Chuck Fletcher has basically done over the past, since he's taken over the team, really. And what better time now as teams start to come together and once, you know, the craziness of free agency starts to dwindle down. Sure, there's a few free agents out there. There's camp battles. There's possible trade scenarios and even offer sheets that could uh, still happen. I... uh, I wanted to discuss where the team is now and how I feel about that. And anybody who listens to what I say on Twitter knows that I'm very much not happy with basically how the team is constructed contractually. Uh, I feel like we waited a very long time for Hextall, say what you will about the man, uh, to clear a lot of the BS cap um, from our from our reserve. Like we we've never had a lot of cap space, but we were so bad. We were up to the our eyeballs in debt with terrible players. And basically we've seen nearly a decade of piss poor hockey and I think we're all ready to be done with that. And, you know, Hextall got fired through that fiasco that was the 2018-19 season. Uh, finally, Hextall was let go, which I'd be really shocked to find anybody who was a Hextall supporter. Uh, but, you know, we bring in a Levin Yo who, uh, he, let's face it, whether you like him or not, the guy's had success. He has everything but a cup ring. He's been to Game 7 with Vancouver. Uh, that team's won the President's Trophy once or twice. He took uh, the Rangers to the Cup. I think they only won one game, but he did win a President's Trophy with them as well. Uh, The one caveat is he had top-tier goaltending on both teams, Lundqvist with the Rangers and Luongo with uh, Vancouver. Uh, We're hoping that Carter Hart can fit with those names. That would be fantastic. And as you'll see as I go through this, that Carter Hart's going to have to be that style of uh, player and that's a lot to ask for a guy starting his sophomore season, if you can even call it that. Um, so that decision there, I'm not – of course, I would have preferred um, Joe Quenville. I mean, who wouldn't have? But, you know, I understand that it takes two to tango because their Flyers did not have cap issues. They could give him anything he wanted, and he wanted to go to Florida with his buddy. And he's older, and he's – you know, I bet you after Florida, he's probably going to retire probably has a long leash down there as well. So we took, uh, in our opinion, and probably my opinion, the second best option out there with Vigneault, and we uh, assembled this all-star coaching staff, and big time, quote-unquote, there as Michelle Therrien. If he was ever our head coach, I would 
seriously consider not watching hockey for a year. I think this guy is a moron. Uh, however, uh, he has had mild success as a head coach. So as an assistant, it could do a lot worse. And speaking of assistant head coaches with having head coaching jobs, Mike Yow, who blows my mind that, you know, Fletcher felt the need to bring him in after he hired and fired him in Minnesota. And on top of that, you consider that he was the head coach of your Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, except for he wasn't along for the ride because when he was head coach, the team was in dead last. So when you get fired and your team wins the cup after that, yes, I know they added Jordan Biddington and he was more important than Baruby, believe me. But still, to go from dead last to a Stanley Cup champion, how bad are you? Nevertheless, he's an assistant, and our assistants over the past few years have been incredibly terrible. I mean, Gord Murphy was a quote-unquote spy of our bad defense, and I don't even want to get into that, but he was out of here. We all love the guy who blocked a shot with his face and Ian LaPerriere, and while he's still with the organization, he's going to be up top. Um, you know, viewing from above and doing whatever the hell he does. But as a penalty kill coach, I think we can all agree. I don't know how he kept his job as long as he has, uh, but he made some historic numbers with that penalty kill, how terrible they were. And I totally understand. You need a good goaltender. Your your goaltender needs to be your best uh, penalty killer. And we really have not had that goaltending. However, you got You can't. If it was all in the goaltender, who needs a coach? So the fact that he's done nothing. And lasted as long as he has. I love the guy, but Jesus Christ. Like, come on. move! And finally, they moved on. Um, I didn't think Hextall would go before a Lapierre or Hextall, but that just shows you how crazy the Flyers in the NHL can be. Point is, uh, coaching-wise, I think we're headed in a better direction. I won't even say right direction. I'll say better direction. As far as the GM's concerned, there were some guys I liked. I knew we wouldn't get a guy like Geiserman, uh, but like... Uh, I think it's Barry Zito, I believe. He was an assistant with Columbus, as well as um, there's a few other guys out there that are more, you know, they, they think more along the lines of these days, the game these days, and not so much the old school guys like Holgram, and Fletcher seems to be like another Holgram. It makes me nervous, and I'll get into why that makes me nervous when you start to see some numbers that I break down here. Um, so let's let's um, recap what Fletcher's done really. Let's do a basics overhaul here. Um, so he comes in. You know, we have the whole goalie shuffle and all that. And with really the number one big thing is we got to trade Wayne Simmons. So he comes in, he trades Wayne Simmons. Uh, sounds, and this is what I don't like, sounds like he had a deal in place with Calgary. And Simmons vetoes that trade. Apparently reports were that his girlfriend was pregnant. He want to go on the West Coast when they live over here, yada, yada. Actually kind of makes sense. I understand that. So they make a last second trade with Nashville. They get a conditional fourth with the condition being Nashville makes it, pers- makes it pass the first round, and that fourth becomes a third. And Ryan Hartman, a former first-round pick, uh, a few years ago had 20 goals or 19 goals with Chicago. Um, first glance, uh, really not that good. Got sold to me as, well, we got a, technically a first and a fourth that should become a third. Nashville would get bounced. It would stay a fourth. And it's just Ryan Hartman. Yeah, he was a first-round pick, but... Right now, he's looking at being our fourth-line player. Yes, I know he's no longer with the team. We'll get to that. So that was his big Simmons move, which I got to say, I think everybody was underwhelmed to say the least. 
Um, yeah, you could you have done better? Probably, but maybe not. But if you have a deal in place with Calgary that falls through, like, do you not know that the guy's going to veto this trade? So you have to make the, a trade uh, literally 30 seconds before the deadline ends? Like, that's kind of silly. Like, the, I, I don't... I don't like guys who think like that because it shows me they're not prepared. Yes, he it's not like he got nothing done, but he might as well have at this point. It's kind of silly how little he got back. I wish he would have explored other avenues and not panicked at the last second. It took some piss-poor deal. Um, yeah, I know Simmons didn't work out for Nashville, but as you'll see, Hartman didn't work out for us, and that fourth didn't even turn into a third. So the other deal that I had, I remember fighting about more honestly, was the Stolars deal. And as you see with uh, Cam Talbot signing with Calgary, how stupid this trade was. Like I said it at the time, why would you trade a young goalie? Okay, he's got knee problems, mind you. It's it's a knee, and he re-injured it in a freak accident while stepping out of his vehicle in recovery. He was not fully recovered and injured it again. He injured it while being injured. That happens. It's not crazy. So I wouldn't call him having chronic injuries or anything like that. He's got a history, a little bit of a history of a knee problem. However, he stepped in here on this piss-poor team with a terrible defense. And yeah, he didn't play great, but he played pretty well. So you trade a goalie, a young goalie for an older goalie, not only older, but on an expiring contract. I understand that he's a veteran, but you really could have, if you really wanted this guy, you really could have went and got him in free agency. So let's just say the pass is the pass. They make this stupid trade where I would have traded Stolars for draft picks and had draft capital, as you'll see later what they did with their draft capital. Uh, they bring in Talbot. Well, at least we, let's, let's try to understand the thought process here. Cam Talbot is going to be our backup of the future. Him and Carter Hart are buddies. Well, that makes sense. I like that. He's a veteran. Uh, he backed up uh, Lundqvist earlier with Vigneault as the head coach, and he was pretty good when he came in. Yeah, they had a good defense, but he still, you have to perform. He performed pretty well. He went to Edmonton, and up until about last year, this past season really, he had been pretty decent given what was on that team. Only, this, only really this past year had he really started to fall off. Maybe he just needed to change the scenery. And if he's a backup and not a starter, that could be even better too. And he's friends with Carter Hart. Okay, at least I can wrap my head around this thinking, okay? So what's the number one thing you want to do when you bring in a guy like this? You want to see what you have in the guy. Who wouldn't? You want to see what asset you just got. So you, what do you do? You play him. Between the trade deadline and the end of the season, I think he played two and a half games. Two and a half. <laughs> like, I, I, what? I don't understand. I don't understand that at all. I don't know if it was up to Hacksaw trying to keep his... No, because Hacksaw was gone. It was all Gordon at this point. So I don't know. Maybe it was Gordon trying to give himself the best chance at getting a job next year. Uh, I would have put the kibosh on that right away. You traded for an asset. See what you have in the asset. That is so asinine to me that they completely botched something so simple. They played a guy two and a half games after giving up a legit... I don't want to say legitimate, but an asset that could have at least got you a, a third-round pick, which have went... It's not that bad. I would have much rather had that than a guy who played two and a half games. And as you'll see, we released a free agency. So they don't even play Talbot. They play more of a Elliott and obviously Carter Hart and whoever the hell else they could get in at that point. It really didn't matter after a point. Um, so already you're like iffy on Fletcher. He kind of like he didn't surprise you with the Simmons trade. Everybody kind of felt like they had blue balls. 
you, you try to understand it. Then you try to understand the Stolarz trade, which I never will. I thought it was stupid then. I think it's stupid now, and it just proves how stupid it is. Um, so we get to uh, the um, free or uh, uh, the off season. We'll say the off season. Uh, and he goes right out there and trades a fifth-round pick for Hayes. I'm all about that. I will not lie to you. I think being aggressive and going and get somebody's contract and negotiating with them first, considering how many prospects this team has, you can afford to expend a fifth-round pick because really the only fifth-round pick that's had any success since like 2000 and, I don't know, you know, seven with this team has been Oscar Lindblom. And I remember when he, Lindblom was drafted, scouts were raving about him then, like they don't know how he slipped, so... I'm okay giving up one fifth round pick considering the drafts, uh, the prospects you have and the picks you have coming up. So all about that. I like the aggressiveness. Uh, we had all speculated. I think some of us said six for six. I thought that was a little low because you got to consider you're paying him a free agency price. You're playing the premium in that regard. Um, market value, if you will. So um, you give him, I was hoping for six and a half over six. Uh, I was uh, prepared to go as high as 6.7 and, you know, be able to swallow it, you know. Um, meanwhile, he uh, starts getting fidgety with his trade moves. I mean, originally we had hoped some RFAs would sign. This I actually can't fault him for. I think this restricted free agent movement where these guys think they need to make the top of the line dollars right away is absolutely ridiculous. Like the Marners... Proveroff even, you know, these guys, it blows my mind. I think they should get paid. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they should take, like, you know, piss-poor deals. But to ask for top dollar, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'll argue anybody on that. Even with Marner, I know he had 96 points. He's playing with two of the best centers in the league, hands down. That team offensively, it's got studs all around. And he's a winger, okay? He did it one time. Like, let me, let me just throw this out there. Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane won three friggin' Stanley Cups before they made their bones. He's going to make more than both of them by like two or three million dollars over seven, eight years. They got bounced in the first round. He had four points in seven playoff games, and that was one round. He didn't show up in game seven big time or anything like that. He just had a lot of regular season points with the two of the top centers in the league and plenty of other talent going around. You're going to give that guy 12, 13 million dollars. That's one way to bury a franchise because you take, let's say somebody does franchise him, okay? Or a franchise. Let's say somebody does offer sheet him. Let's say they give him the uh, seven years, 12 million, okay? You're going to give them all, you're going to pay him that and you're going to give up four first round picks. So basically, you're asking Marner to do this all on his own. Even if he had a halfway decent center, say he goes somewhere like Phoenix, not that they could ever afford that, and Derek Stefan is his top-line center, you really think he's going to put up 96 points? You're high. There is no way. What game are you watching where some winger can do it all by himself? Because there's only one guy I can think of, and that's Alexander Ovechkin. And who has been his center for most of his career? He's had top-line talent with him all the time. He's had... Oshi, he's had Semin, he's had Kucherov's been on his line, and he's had Backstrom. That center Backstrom's been with him for quite a while. They've always had good defense. Outside of his first two or three seasons in the league, Ovechkin's had a pretty damn stacked team. And he's a stud. He deserves every dollar he got. But he worked his way to what he what he has. And he's probably a generational goal scorer. I mean, only second to Gretzky. He's actually, the fact that he has an actual shot, it's a very outside shot, but it's still a shot at reaching his goal record is insanity, especially in this day and age. So you got one guy who pay, plays one really good season, 
given everything around him, and he wants absolute top dollar, and you're ready to just hand it over to him, you really have to reconsider a lot. I think he should get paid. $10 million's not that crazy to me, the way the cap is going. But for him to ask what he's asking and the years over one real good year of service like this, amazing. it was an amazing year, I won't lie. It's, it's idiotic. And it's how you bury a franchise. We've seen it before. You guys remember Jonathan Chichu? I think I brought this up on our, our podcast before. He had a 56-goal year. Uh, let's say the Sharks signed him to a seven-year, fourteen or $12 million, you know, because that's a lot of goals. I'll say $10 million. Okay, he had around either high 30s or low 40s the year after that. Then he completely fell off a cliff. So he would have literally sank the San Jose Sharks himself because one year of service isn't enough. As anybody who's been watching hockey sees this happen, you need more than one year. You don't go all in on one year. And I know that Marner was a high draft pick, and I know he's young. He's not doing it alone. This is why wingers don't get this kind of money. I mean, like I said... Guys should get paid, shouldn't get almost max deal because that's ridiculous. Uh, to bring it back to the Flyers with the, their restricted free agents, um, it really just comes down to Proveroff. Uh, I think what his asking is ridiculous. Uh, I was asked last year, after last season, if I would have given him eight, eight years, $8 million a year, and I considered it, and I was like, I, I want to, I want, but I really want to be able to keep our team and be able to go get one or two free agents to complete that team and make us a powerhouse. So I feel like we'd be better off giving him seven, seven and a half. I don't know, whatever we it's, try to get a deal. So after this past season, when he had a bad year, he had a bad year. He was he had a couple of McDonald type mistakes where he would pass it to the other team or fall. He didn't do it often, but he did do it. And his number one thing going into negotiating is not his – he scored 17 goals la- like two years ago, not last year. You know, he's not killing the assists. He's not even on the freaking power play. Was he on the second unit? That's what the jo- biggest joke of a unit in the league, So if he even gets that. His, his number one argument is he plays a lot of minutes. Any clown can play a lot of minutes. If this, if this was a playoff team that won around, I can understand. They didn't even make the playoffs. And they didn't get good until like Hart stepped in. So how is that a, a negotiating point where you're worth, not eight, north of eight? Because that's what he's asking for. North of $8 million. Get out of here, dude. Like, come on. You've had three years in the league. You were top picks, top seven, not like one or two or anything. You've had two good years, and you had a down year. And it's time to negotiate. If I was him, and I asked for a bridge. Because you're not getting 8.85 over eight years. Like, that, that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, give me a break. And the fact that his goofball agent is pushing for that just shows between what's going on with Marner, what's going on with all these other, you know, RFAs. I mean, I think the Ajo deal was good. He got, what, 8.4? It's only five years. I don't know if they got any uh, restricted free agents, but they may have. Um, I'm sorry. I don't think they got any uh, unrestricted free agent years, maybe at one or two. I don't know. I think that's a good deal. He's a top 15 player in the league. At least he was last year. Was Provorov? Hell no. Because he's a defenseman that just skyrockets him up the list? I don't think so. That's not how you do good business. And when you look at uh, Timo Meyer had a great year as well. Both guys, Aho and Meyer, 22. I believe Provorov's around the same age. He got four years, six mil. So what? out of those two, you know, they, San Jose has been like a Western Conference perennial. They've made the playoffs every year. They were just in the Western Conference. They got a lot more better players. I understand that. You know, but Carolina didn't. Carolina made the Western Conference Finals on like the back of Ajo. 
these this is I understand them getting these contracts, but mind you, it was a four year and a five year. So you're gonna pay Provorov eight at north of eight. He's better than both of those guys. Hell no, he's not. He's just a defenseman. It's not the best comparison, but these are the only recent restricted free agents to sign in this new movement. And I don't think Provorov's worth that. Not yet. I want him to be. I think he's got all the talent in the world, but you don't pay a guy based on potential. That's how you get sunk. What this team should be doing, and this kind of wraps in the Sandheim, is what the Predators did with Roman Yossi. When he was signed young, they signed him long-term, and they gave him a little bit more than he was worth. But he wasn't there yet skill-wise. They saw the potential. So he's making like four or four and a half million for like five or six years. So they had an absolute steal on a contract. Hextall was doing this with Couturier. Look how cheap his contract is. Look how cheap Ghost's contract is, where he can have a bad year and you still like the contract. Where Coots can score 30 goals two years in a row and you love the contract. Now, I'm not saying criminally underpay the guy, but these demands are ridiculous. So, okay, maybe in this case you can't get a deal. Well, I was hoping they might get a deal on a guy like Konechny or really Sandheim. So, yeah, you might like that Sandheim deal now, 325 for two years, but if he's good, like we all expect him to be, in two years that that contract's going to look terrible because he, he's going to get, or what he's going to get is going to look terrible. He's going to be asking for six, seven million dollars, and I don't see with how I have everything broken down how that's doable. So now that I got, it, let me get that RFA thing off my chest. Uh, I understand Fletcher's. Uh, how tough that is, at least with Provorov there. So I'm really curious to see how that turns out. It could really change a thing or two with the team. Um, and our finances going forward, and you might have to say goodbye to some players you really like because this was, this has kind of been mismanaged. So let's get one thing out of the way before I get into the two big trades he made here. Um, I like Hayes. I don't like what he was signed for. 7.14 for seven years. We were all saying six. This is the seventh year came out of nowhere. Uh, you had to do what you had to do to get the guy. I get that. One year, he scored over 50 points. And yeah, it was with a, he was playing with terrible talent. So it's just a massive risk. I would have much rather liked Duchesne. I would have taken Duchesne at like 8.75 for seven years over this Hayes deal. Okay, he takes two to tango. Maybe he wanted to go to Nashville. That's why I didn't say $8 million. That's why I said close to 9 I would have even considered 9 because this Hayes thing might actually come back and bite us pretty hard. But if you just look up at the general makeup of our team, the whole idea is that we get a second-line center that one day Nolan Patrick can overtake him. So if that say that works out, which would be great, but you're paying your third-line center $7.1 million. So if Patrick does it within the next two or three years, you got four more years paying your third-line center top center money, essentially, unless he's an absolute superstar. That's a lot of money to be paying your third-line center. How are you going to keep the rest of your team around? How are you going to pay Patrick if he's actually that guy? You can't. When you see the rest of this team, you're going to be screwed. So you did what you had to do. This, I, unless he turns into an absolute stud, this is going to bite us. And I used, people like to come out and say, well, you have to go for it, yada, yada, yada. If this team was a player away, I could come to grips with it. We didn't even make the playoffs last year. Yeah, I get it. We're not starting McDonald and Leterre and Weiss anymore. But we're at the same time, we're not a player away either. We didn't improve the team that much. And yeah, we're, we're, what it tells me is we think that Morgan Frost is going to turn into McKinnon and Farabee is going to turn into... 
Ovechkin or some lesser scoring winger, and Carter Hart's going to be Dominic Hasek because the way the rest of this team is compiled, we need a lot of people to step up because we can't add anything right now. So let me get more into that. The first trade, Niskanen. Good is for Niskanen. Why he had to retain 30% of that salary, which is essentially $1 million for this year, I have no idea. He's, this is a division rival you're essentially helping out. I don't know how that got talked into the deal, why it was so essential to save some money with that team. I mean, quite quite honestly, I'm confused. Um, I do like Niskanen as as a player. I do feel like he had a down year, but it's been I've I've heard that it's possible that he's getting older, but it's also possible that they won the cup and they party too hard. I saw Cole Hamels go through the same thing with the with the Phillies. It's not that he parties; he was going to doing every interview and every talk show he could do, and it it wears on you. So maybe he went through something like that. I don't know. I hope that's the case. And in all these cases, I hope I'm wrong, and I'll eat crow. I'll gladly eat crow. I'll put a cherry on top of that crow if this means that this team is winning. I just these are my honest opinions, and I don't think this team it has what it takes to be a true powerhouse. And powerhouses are what are are always in the dance. It's been told to me. Well, all you gotta do is get there and see what happens. Well, if we're only getting there once in a while, the odds of us catching lightning in a bottle are slim. If you're there every year and you have a young stud goalie, the odds of you catching lightning in a bottle or getting a hot goalie and rolling with it are much higher. And I just feel like this team is still a bubble playoff team where before they were most likely going to miss, now we should make it. But who knows? The whole Eastern Conference got better. You know, I really like what I see with the Rangers and, you know, the maybe the Devils, but I don't know if they can hold that team together. Let's, uh, we'll get into that later. So this, this deal... Um, yeah, I don't know why he had to retain that. I guess you're moving on from Gudis. I, I was hoping you'd get more for Gudis, considering he pretty much had a career year. He looked really good. Team is now gritless. For a mascot, is gritty to have literally nobody. Almost, it feels like nobody on the team. If you want to count Konechny, that's on you. I think he's too small to keep up that up. And I've heard Niskanen. You can blow over with a gust of wind. And I really don't know what Braun brings to the table, to be quite honest. But I can't imagine him doing much on his own. So who's that leave? Wade Allison, <laughs> is he even signed? He's dealing with injuries. He's probably only if the guy makes the team, and that would be like three years, four years down the line. So I don't know what they're going to do in that regard. I never put a whole lot of stock into it, at least recently, but you do need something, and I, I don't know where that's going to come from. So Niskanen is a player, 5.75 for two years. It's only two years. It's a lot of money, though. So it leaves you, if you want to look at this season, this season and next season, Tunnel vision, like just those two seasons, doesn't help you. Um, I like that he brings playoff caliber and, you know, he's been there. He's a leader and all that noise. That's great. I don't know how much that's worth money-wise. Uh, hopefully he can teach this, these defense a thing or two. Uh, definitely, it's. I'm hating. It sounds like I'm hating on it right now. I don't. I definitely didn't hate it at the time. At the time, it actually piqued my interest. That's what we did with the rest of the offseason that makes me, like, poo-poo it a little bit. So... Yeah, so I, I would. It's like a, it's like a ho- hockey trade. I don't know why we retain salary, but it is what it is. I'm not. I'm not against it. The guy has won a cup, so whatever. It's only a two year deal. The Braun deal. A lot of people say uh, it's only one year. It's not even so much the money that bothers me. You gave. I'm big on draft capital. You can. You should build your team through the draft. And I know a third, a 2023rd is far away, but you gave up a second and a third for a guy in a one-year deal against a cap-stricken team. A team just signed Eric Carlson to this ludicrous contract that he 
kind of deserved, but it's still a lot of money. It's ludicrous in the amount of money, and they're already up against it. They just lost Pavelski, so they didn't have any money. Um, they got they had to resign Meyer to six million per. They got up. They're talking about bringing Thornton back and um, what's his name back that they lost to Toronto and a few other guys. Uh, Marlowe talking about bringing Marlowe back and there's other guys they got to sign as well. And you paid a premium for this guy. Why? I remember the Islanders a few years ago rebuilt their entire defense by waiting for cap stricken teams to who were in trouble. I believe, I want to say it was Boston and Chicago. They got Nick Letty for a second. And I think they got Boychuk from Boston for a second. I know they got him for a second. I just can't remember where he came from. You just added two pretty good defensemen each for a second-round pick. And we get a guy on a one-year deal who's almost making $4 million. And I understand in the short term that doesn't really bother you. But come on, why are you giving up a second and a third? That's like premium pricing. Like I just it blows my mind. Do you not negotiate at all? Do you not know how to negotiate? If you look and see that this team is right up against the cap, say they're kind of in a they're kind of screwed right now. I bet you I can go in and off and low ball ball them, and they'll probably either if they don't take it outright, negotiate it to something better for you. If you come in and say I'll give you a six round pick for this guy, they're going to say get out of here. All right, well, you know, you're up against it. You can take this guy off your hands for a year, make things happen. What's it really matter? It's not like he had a good year last year. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, you know, either way, you don't wind up giving them a second and a third. Maybe you get away with like a third and a fourth or a fifth, rather. You know, you, you, second round picks legit. You got Carter Hart in the second round. Alex DeBrincat went in the second round. There's plenty of other players that went in the second round. Like this pick, these picks are getting more and more valuable than they used to be. I just think it was stupid to go in and just offer your top tier offer and have the other team most likely say, "Yeah, that, we'll do that. That's great. We're going to accept this trade before you have a chance to rethink it." And I don't like that. That's something Holgram would do. Giving up Scotty Upshaw in a second for Carcillo, like it's stupid. You know, so I, I didn't like the trade. The player, I'm not against. Uh, I've seen a lot about him being the third man you know, behind Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. And you know, you probably saw his stats compared to theirs and just on ice and all that. And I think he can be a, a solid, useful player. Right? You know, It's one year, see what you got. I'm, not, I'm definitely not against it. I didn't like that I never heard of the guy, considering what we gave up. I don't mind bringing somebody I never heard of. I'll research the guy. I'll learn about him. It's seeing that what we gave up, I would hope I've heard of the guy, and I didn't. I didn't like that. So from there, we go to the draft. And I like everything Fletcher did at the draft, honestly, except for one thing. <laughs> I'm one of these guys, so brace yourself. He didn't take Cole Caulfield. The guy scored 72 goals. He more than doubled what Jack Hughes did. And yes, he played with Jack Hughes, and he's this, and he's that. The kid can score. If you actually watched his highlights, a lot of people want to say all he can do is score. He's one-trick pony. Wrong. That's not true. He's so good at scoring that you overlook he does everything else well. He creates his own scoring option, uh, opportunities as well. I just The one thing this team, this city, has been crying for for years is goaltending. The second thing has been a scoring winger. And yeah, the guy's 5'7". That, that and maybe he could be a little bit faster or his only knocks. And the guy, you're at 11, you don't take him. Almost lost my mind. But you trade it back to 14, regain that second round pick. That was a great move. I don't care. If, if I can just take away, like you're taking your guy and he's there and you instead of just taking him at 11, you get that second back. That's a genius move. 
Thank you, Fletcher. That was a smart move. So if it sounds like I'm hating on the guy, that was a good move. He's still there at 14, and you go and take defense. And the number one thing that grinds my freaking gears about this is everybody's saying you need to restock the defense. No, you fucking don't need to restock the defense. The average defensive player we have in our defense here is under 25. Proveroff, Myers, Sandheim. Like, come on. Why, why do you need to immediately address the defense? Zamula is a prospect coming up. I don't consider Freeman a serious prospect. You don't need to make your first pick or your first draft in the first round a defense to restock your defensive stock. It's ridiculous. You always take the best player available in the first round. Round. The whole tell you that was his best player available. He's wrong. The best player available was either Cole Caulfield or Peyton Krebs. And you said, I want defense, and you went defense. Now, ultimately, you better be right because it's your, it's on you. You don't want to listen to the fans because you'll be sitting with the fans. I get that. Take your guy. I just I don't know how that could be your guy. Now, I'll give you one thing. Every time Fletcher has drafted defense in the first round, he's got like an 80% succession rate like he just gets Dumba there's more Brodine Brodine like he, he's pretty good in the first round he does draft well so I'll take that so after I came to terms with everything and it is what it is not like I don't dislike York people think I dislike York because I want a coal field so bad he trades back up with that second that they got which I love I love trading up and he goes and gets Bobby Warbrink and everything you hear about this kid is like he's called Caulfield if he learns how to skate. Well, I'll take that. That was great. So thank you again, Fletch. Love that pick. So, you know, and the rest of the draft, I'm I'm not really too crazy about. A lot of people like their third-round pick. I don't know how I feel about that. It sounds like I don't know if he's a late bloomer or a big kid picking on little kids. Scored a lot of goals, though. But I don't know. It seemed out of character for him based on his previous stats. Excuse me. So... We'll see. It's a third-round pick. Who really cares at that point? Or fourth-round. I can't remember. They traded so many picks. Um, so, you know, the rest of the draft is what it is. But those first two picks, I feel like we got two players. It could have been better, but we got we got good players. So I'm happy with his draft. As much as I hated that first pick because my guy was there and he fell and he, and he goes to the next pick, which makes you feel like you screwed up, it was still a good draft for the Flyers. So I will take that. So now we come into July 1. Well, no, wait, I'm sorry. There was one more trade still. Because he filled up the cap so quickly, we went from having like $25 million in cap space to, you know, 10. And you got to resign, you got to, or 14. You got to resign your restricted free agents. So, you know, you got, you're looking at, at the time, you're looking at Sandheim, Proverov, Connecting, and Lawton, and Bailey. They let Bailey go. Not that anybody cared anyway. You, tra- you trade Hartman, who's another one, who was your. Simmons edition for Pitlick from Dallas. He's making $1 million. Dallas lets Hartman go. Hartman signs for 1.9, two years with Minnesota. Now, we were all talking about a fourth line of Raffle Lawton and Hartman, and we all liked it. Finally having a good fourth line. Well, that dream just died. I, this is because he mismanaged the cap in the short term. We had to let Hartman go for crap. And uh, right now, I don't even know how I feel about Pitlick. He seems like he can score. But it seems like when he has to play on, he would have to play on our third line, not a fourth line, to get any offensive production. And it just seems stupid at this point. So because he mismanaged the cap, we missed out on a decent player who was a former first round pick, who's already got one 20 goal season under his belt. And we were waiting to see what we could get with this guy. And who knows? This guy's this guy could be the limit or it could be a bust. Right now, all we got back for the Simmons deal is a fourth round pick and one year of pick. 
and I guess you could say a few games of Hartman. God, it just keeps getting worse and worse. So, and another thing before July 1. Flyers re-sign Brian Elliott, $2 million. I'm not against Elliott. A lot of people are freaking about freaking out about his injury history. And he's never really been injury prone until Hackstall played him 27 games in a row and refused to put anybody else in there because I guess he was always constantly worried about his job. Well, he's injury prone now. I get that because of what he went through. But he's a backup. So if Hart goes down and you're worried about Elliott, listen, if Hart goes down for an extended period of time, we're already screwed. Nobody's coming up. No backup or no guy in the minors is going to come up and save the season. So if Elliott has to play for an extended period of time, we're already in deep and we're already in hot water. So there's no use in crying about this. And I, two million, that's like backup money for a veteran guy. It's one year. I'm not worried about that. He's already decided that the cap is what it is. So whatever. It's, it's one year. Big deal. You're not adding some kind of third-line stud anyway because they've already said they're going to let the kids play, which I'm not against. So that's not where I'm, I'm – you got to pick your battles. That's not one I'm fighting. Like, come on. There's so much other things that he did to annoy me. So a lot of flack I've gotten is, oh, you're one of the, the – you, you're just a hater no matter what. You want to change, he gave you change. Is it so much for me to want the right change or, or smarter change or thinking about the future change? Some people have just accepted that we're going to lose players, young kids that we drafted. How stupid is that? That blows my mind. That's not good. I actually heard somebody call the Stolars trade a necessary shit trade. No GM should have that in their vocabulary. That is ridiculous to me. No, no good GM, nobody who asset who manages their assets well does something as stupid as that. That makes no sense to me. So speaking of stupid asset management, you retained so about a million this year for Gudis. You bought out Schlemko for some unknown reason. And yeah, we saw McDonald coming. I didn't think they had to buy out McDonald until I saw how quickly he filled up the cap. Now I see why he did it. If he didn't do that with the cap, he wouldn't have had to do that. So now we have like $2 million. What is it? I got it around here somewhere. It's like two point. Yeah, okay. Just shy of $3.1 million this year in cap penalties from buyouts. And already in next year, $2.5 million. So in the short term, that really bites us. That's a lot of money between Schlemko and McDonald, really. Gudis only affects us this year. Almost $2 million alone for McDonald next year. 600000 for Slumco. I'll never understand that. So basically, because of those idiotic moves, uh, one move that people seem to like is uh, Sandheim gets signed for two years, 3.25. Hmm. Yeah, okay. In the short term, it's great. But as I discussed earlier, you, you wanted to, you, this is a guy you probably should have paid 4 to 4.25 to even 4.5 to lock up long term. So when he really takes off, it's a bargain. But because you filled up your cap so damn fast, you can't do that. That's out of the cards. So right now, the Flyers, if we look at their team now, they're at, they have about roughly 15 million left to sign Provorov Konechny. And they still kind of need a third-line winger unless they go with a young kid. We'll just round up to a million dollars, we'll say that. So based on some comparables, Provorov should only be getting 6.75. Konechny should only be getting 3.3, 3.4. And Lawton, he should be getting around 1.75. Which is, so, with, let's just, already you know Provorov ain't getting that unless he signs a three-year deal 
So I have him at 7.75, which at this point is a win. Konechny, I don't know how long the deal is going to be, but if this RFA movement, if they win, Konechny is going to get like four to four and a half. Basically, if they all sign to around 7.75 for Provorov, four and a half for Konechny, I don't know how long these deals would be, and Lawton 1.75, you only have 900K left. You still have a need a third-line winger. If you bring up a kid, that's like your whole cap right there. You have no room for anything else. That's okay for this year. You go into next year. This is where it gets this is where it gets dicey. So your free agents are Elliot Braun and Pitlick. Let's assume none of them are brought back. Your needs at that point are a backup goalie and a top four defenseman. Uh, your RFAs are Limbaugh, Patrick, Hag, and Myers. If Hag is still even here, let's assume he is. So Myers, I looked up some similar numbers. He he said, let's if he has a good season. Say he, I don't know how long the deal will be. I assume these will all be short-term deals because you can't afford to lock him up any, give him any more money to give him long-term deals. Myers gets two point seven five. Hag at one point two five. Patrick, you got to remember this kid was the number two overall pick, and he has a, he should have a good year on the third line. Four point five. Limbaum, who's already been pretty good, three point two five. You have that leave that essentially leaves you at one point two five million. You still need a backup goalie in a top four D. That right there. You're gonna get. You're probably bringing up a kid to be your backup goalie. You're probably looking at Sandstrom, and we don't even know if the kid can play over here yet. And even he makes a pretty penny. It's probably eight hundred k right there. So you have nothing to fill that top four role. You're you're. It better be Myers, and you better hope Moran steps in and is on your fourth line or, or I'm sorry, third D pairing, and or Hag turns this shit around. So already we we pretty much have the same exact team, and now we're losing players. So it's really all in our young rookies. But where it really starts to get crazy is 21-22. You lose Raffle and Niskanen, so you have, need a fourth-line winger, and you need another top 4D. Now you got to re-sign Sanheim, so if he's any good, he's going to be asking for $6 million or more. Carter Hart, he's our goalie, so automatically, unless he completely is terrible, he's going to be asking north of five. If he's a stud, good luck re-signing that. So let's say they sign Hart for five, Sandheim for six. You still need a fourth-line winger. You still need a top four D. And you're $2.4 million over the current salary cap. So I guess we're hoping that either Seattle comes and takes JVR or Voracek off of our hands, which won't happen. They're probably too smart for that. And we'll probably have young guys available. Or there's some kind of compliance compliance buyout with the work stoppage that's a lot of what ifs so I, personally i don't think a team should operate that way because just too much question marks in the air which is silly and then in 22 23 you, you free up 12.6 million dollars because Giroux and coots become available their uh, their contracts are up <laughs> good luck resigning coots because the way he's been trending he's going to be getting 9.5 10 maybe even 11 million dollars and he'll be worth it and Giroux, he just got done making eight and a half million over however many years. Uh, pretty sure he's not going to sign for a cheapy cheap. It might won't be that much, but six, seven. We'll see what the deal is. We'll see how old he is. He's not going to be cheap. And you only got at that point just over ten million in cap. So with Coots alone, you're over the cap. Oh, and by the way, Frost and Farabee need contracts, and you got to see what you're doing with your backup goalie. So the way this team is constructed is they're a complete cap hell. Yes, of course, I assume the cap will go up at some point, but how much? You're already right up against it. What they're going to end up doing is trading guys that we like. They're going to be dealing from a position of weakness, much like San Jose and Washington were, and there's not going to be another Chuck Fletcher out there to offer them top dollar for their guys because they're probably smarter GMs. And they, 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 I even heard somebody tr- suggest that Fletcher could do that 
with these cap stricken teams. I'm like, well, why would he do that? He, he had an opportunity to do that earlier and didn't do it. He still played top dollar. So don't see that coming. And I didn't even get any get a free agency here, but we're coming up on 45 minutes. So you know what? I talk some of this stuff out. I feel like I'm sweating a little bit. You know, next time I get a chance to do this, I'll dive into what our our division did. Because quite frankly, everything I just named is all about keeping our current team together, not really adding anything else. While the rest of our division and conference for that matter got significantly better. I like what the Rangers are doing. The Islanders were better than us last year. They possibly got better goaltending. We know they have better coaching. Um, I don't know if they have room to add anybody else. I don't know if they will. We'll see. The Rangers got substantially better. The Devils making us look silly. Washington still has Ovechkin and Pittsburgh still has Crosby. And yeah, Carolina still's got Ajo. So only Columbus really took a nosedive. So we'll get more into that in the conference next time I uh, get to talk to my therapist, which is whoever the hell's listening out there. So I want to thank you all for joining me on my very first episode of Flyers Therapy. It was good to get some of this stuff out. I hope I didn't talk too fast or stutter, stutter a little too much. But um, it was fun. I needed this. I look forward to it. And if anybody's out there and they want to let me know how I did or you know, even uh, debate me on this show, that would be good too. I would like to see some logic on the other side. That could definitely help with my condition. Thank you, everybody. Be sure to follow us at HW underscore radio on Twitter and myself at Jack underscore HW radio. It's been fun. Till next time. That's right. No music tonight, folks. Um, Emergency Flyers therapy session here with uh, Jack underscore HW Radio. Yes, the regular episode of HW Radio uh, had to be rescheduled. A little rescheduling issue here with Pascal LaBerge. We're looking forward to talking to him. But due to unforeseen circumstances, we will be rescheduling. So I thought I'd just hop on here, give you some kind of content. It's been a while since we last just really just discussed how we feel about the Flyers. Um, it's been a guest here, a guest there, and haven't had a whole lot of time to discuss where I am with the team right now. And it's uh, it's kind of funny. I've definitely been on the more negative side of things. I feel like after nearly a decade of pretty terrible hockey through most of my life, they've always been competitive, very few down years, that it's easy to become negative pretty quickly too uh, especially when you got two names that jump out at me that just stick out of why I've been so negative about this team so uh, Dave Haxall definitely like first name that comes to mind it makes me think this team has just gone through some shit and the second name that just goes like hand in hand is Andrew McDonald And I, honest to God, feel like the bridge between when this team was last truly competitive and this upcoming season is the entire Flyers career of Andrew McDonald. If you think about before McDonald, you know, Flyers come off a cup run, have a down year, shuffle the deck, put Drew in charge of the team, you know, big Mike Richards-Carter trade. They, you know, go to the second round of the playoffs in 2012, get bumped to the Devils. Um, and I think the very next year, uh, Drew and company, you know, no more Briere, no more Bizkalov, um, 
you know, we had Steve Mason start to take over net. And they they go to game seven against the Rangers. The Rangers would go on to go to the cup, so that was a pretty damn good Rangers team. You know, that was a good competitive year. I think it was that playoff push or the one after that, we get Andrew McDonald and you know, we needed some more defense between the Mark Streits and the ins and outs of certain defensive players and the whole Pronger thing. Uh, at the time, I thought he was, you know, decent. Blocked, definitely blocked a lot of shots, or at least that's what the stats said. You know, logged a lot of minutes. And we get him, and he's not bad. You know, I think I'm pretty sure that was the year we pushed the Rangers to the game seven, right around that time. Uh, and ever since we got McDonald, we signed him. And even then, I thought it was either too many years or too much money. It was one or the other. Not both, but one or the other. Um, but I was starting to stay optimistic. It has a terrible year the next year. I think the Flyers missed the playoffs. Has a bad camp, gets sent to the Phantoms. Uh, pretty sure he came back. And we lost to the Capitals, you know. Pretty embarrassed, you know. Miss the playoffs next year. Make the playoffs against the Penguins. They smoke us. Yeah, it was four games to two, I believe. But when we lost, we lost. We got smoked. Do you really feel like you're in a playoff series when, yeah, maybe you won one or two, but they're leading the whole series, and when they beat you, they beat you like eight to two. You know, five to one. Like, does that really feel like you're in the playoff series? They lose that series. McDonald has so many big mistakes, lead directly to goals. And, you know, and then this past season, <laughs> where he comes back early from injury, which, why, if all players, we want him back early from injury. And he's just terrible. Finally, even Haxall has to, like, all right, listen, Sanheim needs to play. With Hag, you're the one off. Like it takes a lot because they put him out during everything. Missed the playoffs this year. McDonald's on the team. McDonald gets bought out, and that's a whole side issue within itself. How I feel about McDonald being bought out, just the timing. Not so much him not being on the team anymore, but for this season, he's not on the team. Hundred percent. Can't even with all the injuries in the world, you'll never see him. I just have this underlining feeling that this team's gonna they're gonna be pretty good which is so strange because besides how bad he was the reason they he stuck around was the team said they just loved him so much can somebody's locker room presence be really that affecting on a team like really have that effect Without it being some kind of really inspirational story, I don't see how somebody's off-the-ice demeanor could be that good for the locker room where it negates what he does on the ice. I just I felt like they liked him so much they used to make that stuff up, that he's invaluable in the locker room just because they liked the guy. Because he was not good. But the team was terrible in that time. So you have to ask yourself... Was it really what he was providing to the locker room that good when the team is this bad and underperforming? I'll never understand that one. Never. But, yeah, those two players, 
<laughs> or I'm sorry, Hackstall and McDonald, those two guys. With just both of them being gone, it's just I'm starting to get that feel that it's a different team. You know, it, it, it's Fletcher now. You just got that sprinkle of Holgram that you can't help but like feels around. He hired him. You're gonna be me going forward, and then boom, then he like retires. Like <laughs> he steps in for Hextall, fires him because he won't fire Hextall. They essentially run the team for a few weeks, hire Fletcher quick. Immediately, everybody thinks Fletcher's just like Holgram, both of whom are the exact opposite of Hextall. You know, fire Hackstall. They're interested in Quenville. We're going back to the way things were. They don't get him, but they get the next best guy, at least in their opinion, and in a lot of people's opinion, at least name recognition-wise, unless you're dipping into guys who've been retired a long time. You know, then they go get a high-priced free agent, trade for him to get his rights, start making trades. <sighs> so strange. It's just a different regime. And at first, I just thought that it would be a lot of big moves, but the same result. And now I'm starting to feel like, man, maybe this is a different team. I've been negative this whole off season. It's like, yeah, maybe it wasn't the players. Maybe it was just the, I don't know, general aura around the team with the Hackstall Hextall. The we can always get him next year mantra that Hextall had, although we all miss his drafting. And the hack stall, just everything we all hate about coaches. He actually blamed it on the fans booing. Like he, It's like one of those things that it happens, we all know, but nobody ever addresses it. And he's like, well, the fans aren't helping. Like, really? How bad you got this team before me? You're going to go after the fans? <sighs> so many things about him just didn't sit right with me. But yeah, it doesn't feel like that team anymore. A lot of it has to do with Carter Hart, too. From the get-go. Some outside people looking in with our team don't even think Carter Hart starts the season. They think Elliot does. <laughs> if you if you think the re-signing of Elliot was so bad because you're worried about injury, <laughs> then you don't even you don't even follow the team that well. He's a backup. It's not nothing to be really worried about. He's a backup. He's not. Our, if we were hoping him to be a starter, Carter Hart, like, get some time, different story. No, people overreacted to that. Of all the off-season moves, that's not the one to overreact to. Elliot, oh, I can't believe this, can't believe that. Would you have rather had Neuverth? Like, come on. You might get a job with Toronto. Elliot's fine. He's not doing a full season. Haxall's not here to make him play 27 games in a row. Goaltending should be okay. It really should. Elliot's a good transition. Carter Hart's finally steps up. Not to mention our prospect pool. Yusuminko, Arison, Sandstrom. Jesus. We're good. However, second line center. Second line center. Kevin Hayes. Is he a second line center? I, I hope so. I felt like in March and you know April that when he was going to be a free agent, I was so I was definitely intrigued. But I was like, nah, just, the Flyers won't go after him. They'll either go cheap or they're going to go for the moon. 
I didn't think to go kind of for the moon. But I never really considered Hayes. And I don't think a lot of Flyers fans did. I think they had their eyes on Carlson, on possibly Duchesne. Just his name being available was big. You know, there could have been other names had they not been traded or resigned. You know, Tupan's name had been floated. Just a whole different thing. Nobody, I don't think anybody really thought, oh, I think the Flyers should go get Kevin Hayes. <laughs> Either way, maybe when the Vigneault was hired, they thought there was a higher probability, but I don't think anybody thought it was a necessity. Like, oh, Alain Vigneault and Kevin Hayes go hand in hand. Outside of them both being on the you know, Rangers, I, don't, I didn't see a connection there. Like, I wouldn't say that was Vigneault's guy. So I don't think anybody really thought they were definitely going to go for Hayes. But they trade for him, which is one, aggressive within itself. But two, makes you think they got like a, a deal in hand. Like they're, you know, the, the announcement's coming next. And then it drags on. I still love the aggressiveness. And now I'm starting to look more into Hayes. So I'm waiting for the, waiting for the contract. You know, what, what are they going to sign up for? You know it's the Flyers. Yeah, they have been burned before, but this this is different. They're they're this guy's gonna get signed unless he's absolutely adamant about never playing for Philly or wanting way too much money. You know, they're gonna sign this guy, and you start to look into Hayes, and you're like, well, I remember when he was drafted by Chicago, not really, but I remember when he came out as the first top. He's the first top college free agent that all these teams were vying for that I remember. It was not, I don't remember that being such a big thing until like Kevin Hayes and then Jimmy Vesey and so on and so forth. And I really, this was the first one. And I remember I wanted the Flyers to get him so bad. I'm like, oh, he's going to be really good. It's a free draft pick. Da, da, da. Signs with the friggin' Rangers because of Chris Drury, basically. It's like, ah, fuck. And it'll piss you off that then they get Vesey later. It's ridiculous. But either way, I kind of stopped following him after that. I just figured he was going to be okay unless I started seeing his name pop up in scoring titles or anything like that. He was just going to be a pretty solid player. And he kind of was. And you look at his stats. He did score over 20 goals once. Konechny's done that, what, three times now? Um, he's got 55 points once. He's a center. And what screws me up with all this is I'm poo-pooing him. But then he's, like, really good defensively. It's like, fuck. kind of like that. Who doesn't? You know, he's not flashy. You think I wanted flashy. That's why I never considered Hayes. But maybe he's he's just not flat. He's just not flashy enough for what I expected, and especially when the contract does come in. And you're like, not only did he go over seven, which nobody wanted originally, there was people saying five years at six million or six years at five million. <clears throat> or six for six became popular later. I was in the 6.25 to 6.5. And I'm like, if you're thinking open market, it's probably going to be 6.5. And if I like woke up one day and saw 6.55, I'd. I'd be totally okay with it over six years. That, that was the whole thing because, you know, Nolan Patrick. And they finally sign him. And some of the numbers coming out, start, it just starts making you nervous. Like, oh, my God, he's going to make how much? No, that number can't be real. 7.14, which it's over seven. It's not even seven. It's over seven. And it's for an, seven years. 
Wow. It's a lot. (laughs) Just really think about that for who you just got, for the mystery that still is Kevin Hayes. Think about what you just paid. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That scares me. It reminds me of when we signed McDonald. Like, yeah, I know. He's not nearly as good. It's it's not as much, but it's also it kind of is as much. We signed him for five million a year for six years, I believe. So yeah, this is this is more. Yeah, it's more by a year and some more money, but it's still a long commitment for a decent chunk that you don't like. <sighs> I'm definitely more optimistic about Andrew McD- or, uh, about Kevin Hayes than I was Andrew McDonald. That's for sure. It's not being ridiculous. But I really hope he works out. Because we don't have the money to re-sign Provorov with this RFA renaissance that's coming in. We don't... I'm hearing Konechny's looking at like a bridge deal... And then cashing in at nine, ten million dollars. Kinetni, a ten million dollar player in like five years. What? No. It's getting ridiculous. So how are we going to keep our own guys and keep the guys we have and spend the free agent? We're not spending any free agency anymore for a while. I don't see how it's feasible. You got all these young kids pushing for the team to the point where you're getting prospect overload. You signed your big free agent. You made these trades for these defensemen. Like, you have to. This is our team, man. They're not adding anything else. And I'm talking about for the next six years, at least. That's a little dramatic. But six years is a good number. Like, these, this is your team. The only new names you're going to see are going to be guys they draft or you've been waiting to come up. I don't see any major trades. Maybe Ghost gets moved. That's the biggest thing I could see. And for all you know, it doesn't bring back half of what you think it does. Oh, man. This is it. Giroux is going to be this top-line aging winger. And he's so good. He'll be good next year. But it's going to hit him. It's coming. He's not as young as you think anymore. One, and not saying this year, next, or even the one after that. But one day... He's just not going to be as crisp with his passes. He's not going to be as flashy with his moves. He's just not going to be as fast. Oh. And all of a sudden, we're talking about Drew on the second line. And then the third. And then his contract's up. Oh. I don't want to be that negative and think that far into the future. Because he's got plenty of time left. He's still going to be good. He's definitely still going to be good. But the team that we finally committed to around him. Is that really what we imagined when we thought it was go time? <sighs> I don't know. I, th- I thought we'd have added a Duchesne and like a really good defenseman too. Not like an all-star, but pretty close. Instead, we got Kevin Hayes. And we got to use the rest to resign our own guys we drafted. And hang on to make sure Voracek carries the load. Oh, come on. I'm being dramatic, but I don't want to be a hater about uh, Voracek. I've definitely been one of his. Uh, I haven't been on his side, that's for sure. 
A lot of people still defend him, and he deserves defending. He's not as bad as we make him out to be. He just looks so disinterested lately. And then you see what he did on Twitter. It makes it sound like he's like he's just here for a paycheck at this point. I feel like he hates the fans. <laughs> I honestly, feel, or he really doesn't like them. Uh, the critics are getting to him. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm so mixed on Vore. I used to really like him, too. Uh, I never buy jerseys. Bought his jersey. Oh, man. He's getting a lot of money, too. I think he's got four years left. It's going to be a long four years. So him, JVR, a couple other guys on defense. Actually, no, the half of them aren't even there. This is the team, man. Voracek, Giroux, Proveroff, you hope has a bounce-back year. Sanhai keeps trending upwards. Ghost still hanging around. Hag. Moran, does he make the team? Felipe Myers, what can he be? First line, Giroux. Coots. Coots is, he's going to get so paid, which is part of the reason why we don't have any money left. He's going to be our top guy. Giroux's going to hand that C over to Couturier, I'm telling you. <clears throat> Got Connecting the wild card. He could get paid. Who knows? Second line, we talked about Hayes. Her Limblom might be bumped up there. Is he a, do we think he's a second or a third line player? I think we're all hoping he can be a really high second line winger. Like he, if he can really produce on that second line, but I don't know. He's streaky. He had a really good year last year, though. I didn't see that coming. I thought he'd be more like his rookie season, just you know, trying to find a net and find his way. I thought he'd be on our third line and deservingly so. But now he's 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 a name. That's good. I mean, that's great. If he takes another step up, he could be really good. I mean, that, that'll be fantastic. I don't know. I like him, though. I'm really curious to see Limblom season this year. It could be really interesting. Fifth-round pick. Made it up pretty quick. There's something there. I just hope they put him with the right teammates. He could really shine. I mean... Connor heard he was going to be on the third line for two reasons. I like this JVR, $7 million guy. You want him on a higher line. He's on his third line for that much money. And he can score. He put up like 30. Didn't, you know, missed a lot of chunk of the season, too. You know, Lindblom, third line, that competition, and Nolan Patrick on that line. That's why I, that's why I was so invested in the third line winger this year. I really wanted to see that third line come together. You know, you put Frost or Farabee, the fans are going nuts. That's not. We talked to Bill Meltzer. That's not what he said. So we're looking at this Gabriel, whatever the hell guy, you know, NHL journeyman, you know, plug him in. We 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 seen those players so many times. Your Blair Betts, your, you know, one year fill-ins. Jim Dowd, love you, but it's, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what it is. Like we, you don't. That worked then. That worked 10 years ago. But now it's all about the youth movement. All the other teams are doing it. And we're still, oh, they like this guy because, you know, he focuses on defense. He listens to the coach a little bit more. Come on, man. Let's get the most talented team out there. I don't know. I think we waited long enough. That's the problem. We missed on probably. Listen, even if it's not for Austin Farabee, you give Alb Kubel, like, a shot. Like, why doesn't he deserve a shot? But Vorobiev deserves two shots. 
And they're talking about him again this offseason. Nothing for Aub Kubel. Come on. It's a rigged deck. I don't get it. I can't see how a rookie doesn't make the team out of champ. Just one. And Felipe Myers doesn't count. I'm talking, I don't care if it's Rubstov, Radcliffe, Frost, Farabee, Ob Kubel. Hell, even if it's Farobia. Like some rookie makes this team out of camp. Pitt looks hurt now. It's out for what, four to six weeks, four weeks? I think it puts them right in line when they have to leave for preseason. They had that one last preseason game in like Sweden or something, and then they open the season in the Czech Republic against the Blackhawks. Like he'll he'll be like barely eligible for that. He can't show his stuff in camp. Like if that's not a a huge like let's call one of these kids ups, what is it? Some rookie is making this team out of camp. It has to happen. Might not be the guy we expect, the line we expect, the position we expect. But some rookie will make this team out of camp. It has to be. I don't want to hear no Chris Stewart bullshit. We all know that was just a favor to a former guy that he signed. That's nothing more. Push the young kids to play harder. Tell them that their spots aren't secure. That's all that is. Throat's drying up. Can you give me a second? Ah. Yeah, so. Yeah, but I feel... Let's look at the defense here real quick. I mean, I like the Niskin move. I don't think I don't know why they had to retain that salary for Gudis, but you know what? It doesn't really affect you. It's one year. I like Niskin and I remember when he was a penguin. He's a good player. I think he had I do think he had a down year and he could bounce back. A lot of people want to say he was trending downward for a while. That's not true. If you listen to Meltzer, when we had him on, he, said, he basically said that he was looking just fine. They win the cup. He took one nasty head injury, and then it was downhill from there for quite a while. It's noticeably so. So if he comes back from that, it could be what he was his glory days at Washington. Maybe not his younger glory days, but nevertheless, be what he can be. That's a solid, steady presence on the blue line. We haven't had since team in That's what I want to view him as. A uh, older, you know, towards the end, twilight of his career, teaming in. Niskanen could probably do that with more speed. Maybe not as reliable, but still. Teaming it was, I'm talking about the, the last like two, three years with, with the Flyers. Like he was not the same guy, but he was still really good and solid. Like I think Niskanen could be that guy. When I, that's finally when I hear veteran presence. That's what I finally like. actually can envision, not this Andrew McDonald bullshit and try to sneak this stuff by us like we're stupid. No, like I think he has a shot. He's only here for two years, stabilize us a little bit until Proveral's ready to grow up, you know, until Myers and Sandheim fill in and we figure out what's going on with Ghost. You know, and on top of that, you, you know, I sigh because I, go, I got to talk about Braun now. So we got Provorov, top line, hopefully with Niskin in. And the second pairing I'm hearing is Sandheim, who had a phenomenal year last year. Really turned it on. Looking he can just hold that steady pace. And that'll that'll be <clears throat> that'll be fantastic for our D. But the man that we most commonly see paired with him is Justin Braun. Acquired from the cap stricken San Jose Sharks. Apparently so many teams were in on this guy that barely anybody knows. 
Flyers had an any up with a second and a third. Top dollar for a guy on a one-year deal that people have to defend. That, no, no, really, he's not that bad. Well, we gave up a second and a third, so is he any good? Or is he just, you know, not bad? Because that's what everybody's defenses are telling me. Oh, well, it's because of this. It's because he played with this guy. It's this, it's that. Mm-hmm. If he can just be solid at this point, I'll take it. Because I'm just tired of hearing the excuses. It was a bad trade. It's a bad value trade. I don't care how many teams ran on him. It was just a bad trade. It, it, I wish at some point the GM has to say, yeah, you're, you're running up the price on this guy because you got other teams involved, but even this is, this is too much. This is where I crap out. And he didn't. You call me you know, nitpicky for that, but I just like good value trades. I, really, I just do, and this was a bad value trade. Nevertheless, he's on the team, and when I, t- I try to take away the trade and just look, at the, just look at the player himself, I definitely like him. Like, I think he, can, he could be, when you know, not really relying on him, pretty solid and just do what you need to do. Much lesser version of, uh, you know, this skin is much more defensive but nevertheless reliable. Yeah, I guess it's possible. Just one year of that was worth a second and a third. Jeez. I'll never get over the trade, but player I think could be solid. That's all you can ask for. He'll probably spend time on the second pairing and the third, but I think he'll be fine wherever he goes. And that's we haven't had fine here in on defense in a loyal long time, so I'll take it. And then you got I hope Hag doesn't play. Hope they sign Proveroff and then move Hag for I don't know at this point. You know, let Myers definitely play. I want to see Moran play. Like we have to know at this point. Let him play for an extended period of time, get an actual look at him and make a decision. Other than that we got Zambula. Cam York that everybody seems to love so much, even though they don't know anything about him. They just love to do it, would love to love whatever the Flyers do. Um so yeah, we'll see. And for the people who say, oh well, the team's gonna be so, so, so much better, because they don't have the Letairs and the McDonald's and the Weeses on the team anymore. Yeah, I agree with you. They're better, but I think we all agreed the team was better when they cut those guys. That's how bad these guys were. That's how low the bar was set. So just adding you know, anybody to this team, a Hayes or whoever, it doesn't make the team contenders. That makes them adequate. So yeah, some people aren't hating just to hate. They just realize that getting rid of some of the worst players you could have on your team and filling them up with, Spending all your money on a few, I don't even know what Kevin Hayes is. It doesn't, yeah, we all agree we're better. We're not disagreeing with that. We're just, are you, but are you good yet? I don't know. I don't know. There's no reason to think that there is, especially considering the assets they spent and how much cap they spent. So, yeah, the bar was pretty low. Obviously, we're better. We all are in agreement with that. How was anybody going to feel if this team makes the playoffs and loses in the first round? I mean, the only way they get away with that is if they lose and it's close. 
This team can't miss the playoffs. Something's seriously wrong if they miss the playoffs. They can't. Like, I don't even think they can lose in the first round. They have to win three games in the first round to get like force a game seven. That's the only way the city gives this regime a pass. All the money they spent, prospects. I don't know, man. I don't know. I guess when it comes down to it, I'm just super, super nervous about this year and this team. Because I feel like there's a lot riding on it. Before, there was never anything riding on it. It was always, we'll be better next year. We'll do this. Well, this guy, we'll draft this guy. This guy will come up. We'll go get this high-priced free agent. All that's over. This is it. It's waited long enough. It's time to win. The names that we've been talking about are here at the same time as our other stars. Carter Hart's here. We signed the free agent. We changed, got the top coach, almost the top coach available. This is it. And at the most, we're hoping to win one playoff round? Something's wrong there. Something's wrong there. I don't know. I hope they're good, man. They, it's been too long. I'm just so nervous. There's so much riding on it. Not just, yeah. Well, I needed to talk that one out. I hope this was all right. I'm kind of tired, but I tried to be a little positive. At the end, I'm still. Ner- I'm just nervous. Not negative. I'm nervous. Yeah, remember that. Not negative. Nervous. Well, if you were able to listen to this emergency flyers therapy session with Jack underscore HW Radio, I appreciate your time. Uh, just remember, you can reach our main Twitter handle at HW underscore radio. Also, um, and Jim and Kyle weren't able to make it for this session. They were ready to go for the first. You can reach Jim at, at Jim underscore HW radio and Kyle at, at Warner Kyle 29. And as I said before, I am Jack underscore HW radio. And I believe, look forward to September. Our duel is coming up. Two dueling podcasts. I'll be teaming up with Negative Dan to go against Kyle and Angry Jim. Um, I really want to give him a chance, but it's hard to. I've been smoking him for so long, and negativity's brewing. And let's let's see how they do. They seem to like a lot of the things the Flyers did, especially at Justin Braun. I'll give him I'll give him a slight chance, ten percent chance that they'll be better. But please tune in for that. Should be some fun. More guests coming in September. And as always, it was a pleasure. Good night.